0: everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your podcast host, Shay Patay. If I sound a little different, that's because I'm back in the podcast room. But I just wanted to open up this episode with Beyonce's Girls Run the World. And the reason why I want to do that is because March is Women's History Month. So we're going to just start off this first wonderful Women's Wednesday talking about Women's History Month. So let's just get to it. And let's talk about what is Women's History Month. Women's History Month is an annual declared month that highlights the contributions of women to events in history and contemporary society. It is celebrated during March in the United States, the United Kingdom, and Australia, corresponding with International Women's Day on March 8th and during October in Canada, corresponding with the celebration of Person's Day on October 18th. The commemoration began in 1978 as Women's History Day in Sonoma County, California, and was championed by Gerda Lerner and the National Women's History Alliance to be recognized as a national week in 1980, and then month in 1987 in the United States, Britain, internationally after that. Now, here is some more information on Women's History Month. In 1987, after being petitioned by the National Women's History Project, Congress passed public, p- Publication 100-9, which designated the month of March 1987 as Women's History Month. Between 1988 and 1994, Congress passed additional resolutions requesting and authorizing the president to proclaim March of each year as Women's History Month. Since 1988, U.S. presidents have issued annual proclamations designating the month of March as Women's History Month on occasion. State Departments of Education also began to encourage celebrations of Women's History Month as a way to promote equality among the sexes in the classroom. Maryland, Pennsylvania, Alaska, New York, and Oregon, and other states developed and distributed curriculum materials to all of their public schools, which prompt educational events such as essay contests. Within a few years, thousands of schools and communities began to celebrate the Women's History Month. They planned engaging and stimulating programs about women's roles in history and society with support and encouragement from governors, city councils, school boards, and the U.S. Congress. In March of 2011, the Obama administration released a report, Women in America, Indicators of Social and Economic Well-Being, showing women's status in the United States in 2001 and how it had changed over time. This report was the first comprehensive federal report on women since the report produced by the Commission of the Status of Women in 1963. Some organizations have issued statements marking Women's History Month. For example, the Republican National Committee and the Democratic National Committee. A President's Commission on the Celebration of Women in History in America recently sponsored hearings in many parts of the country. The Women's Pro- Progress Commission will soon conduct hearings to promote interest and in preserving areas that are relevant in America, excuse me, in American women's history. Some of the groups promoting this interest are state historic societies, women's organizations, and groups such as the Girl Scouts of the United States of America. You know, I started off the episode with Beyoncé's Girls Run the World because <laughs> being a girl, not hurting the fellas. We do run the world in so many different ways, but not in enough ways. So what I want to do, I, wanna, I found an article in the New York Times that um, I, it's dated actually March 29th, 2021. But it was interesting because it's entitled How Do Women Feel About Women History Month? And then it says conflicted. So what I did was read all of the uh, comments that were given by these specific women. And I want to read them to you because um, I want you to be the judge of how Women's History Month is perceived. And remember, this article was written March 29th, 2021 by Erin Spencer and the New York Times. So check it out. In her own words, well, excuse me, Women's History Month has long drawn mixed reaction with celebration and criticism given in somewhat equal measure. But a pandemic and economic disaster have made Women's History 2021 especially fraught. Of course, there have been moments of achievement. The United States wore in its first female vice president. The Biden administration established a gender policy council and is set to have the most diverse cabinet in American history. Estonia swore in its first female prime minister in January, and Greece, Moldova, Togo, and Gabon all elected their first female leaders last year. Citigroup, one of the biggest U.S. banks, appointed a female chief executive, Jane Frazier. At 31, Whitney Wolf Hurd became the youngest female CEO to a company public, and as of March 2021, the World Trade Organization is now led by, okay, I don't know how to pronounce her name. So um, I think the last name is Awila, the first woman and first African to hold the job. But the backdrop for these success stories has been painful racial reco- reckonings, widening income inequalities, an epidemic of domestic abuse, widespread joblessness, increased burdens of unpaid labor exacerbated by the pandemic. In view of the good and the bad, here's how five women are looking at women's history month 2021. Let's talk about Deb Halen, the Secretary of the Interior. She is a 35th generation New Mexican and member of the Laguna Pueblo tribe, is which is the third, I mean she is the third female secretary of the Interior, a position established in 1894. She is the first Native American to lead the department, which, among other things, oversees relations with the 574 federally recognized tribal nations within the United States. In her her opening statement at her confirmation hearing, she spoke in Kurs, the native language of her family. In English, she went on to thank her family, friends and generations of ancestors and acknowledged that she was present on the ancestral homelands of the Naka Nacotchtank, N- Anacostan, and Piscataway P- people. If I mispronounce this from my native people, please forgive me. And she's quoted as saying, as many of you know, my story is unique. Ms-, Ms. Halen said in her address to the Senate Committee on Energy and Natural Resources, she says, this historic nature of my confirmation is not lost on me, but I will say it's not about me. When asked about Women's History Month, she told in her words, quote, Women are fierce. We break barriers, run companies, make scientific discoveries, raise families, and lift each other up. But the fact is, discriminatory policies block women from fully participating in our country for generations. It led to disparities in wages, representation, and opportunities that we are still tackling. Though we have more Native women, now keep in mind, she's speaking for her her people and I agree with her. She says, although we have more Native women, Serving in Congress, a woman of color in the vice president's office, and women making moves across the country, we still have to recognize that the disadvantages that we face are credited, excuse me, are created by a system designed to keep us out and that coupled with systematic racism makes women's history month all the more important now keep in mind these quotes are from last year and they're still relevant today now she's a native american and i'm so glad i found this article article on these women because they're of different nationalities and backgrounds, and I really want you to see this is what the world is, and definitely what America is. Then we have Angela Casinha, she's the executive director of Latino Safe House. She was asked how she is doing, and, and it says, Angela will tell you she is cautiously optimistic and really tired. Wow! Now it says, Latino Safe House, where she works provides bilingual service to Latinx survivors of domestic violence and their families. But this past year was the first time in the organization's 22-year history that the group had to start a wait list for survivors in need of services. Let me just stop before I finish reading her story. This pandemic has shown that domestic violence has risen drastically. And I want those listening to keep in mind, all these women are of different backgrounds, but they're... Uh, minorities, um, the first few that I'm reading are minorities. And um, I want you guys to really understand what some of the underprivileged and minority communities are experiencing that non-minorities may not be experiencing. And I'm not saying non-minorities are not I experienced in domestic violence ever or uh during the pandemic. I'm just talking about the resources as you will listen, all of them talk about uh the racism still in the world and we're talking about America specifically and how these things are stopping uh opportunities for people that may not be able to afford the assistance like this woman is working to try to help survivors of domestic violence. Let me finish reading what Angela has to say. She says in a normal year, excuse me, excuse me. The article says in a normal year, Ms. Ksenia isn't able to take much time off from work. This past year, she didn't even consider it. During recent months, she said some of the most severe types of cases have also had the largest increase, the need for emergency rapid rehousing and shelter for women and children who are experiencing or at, or at risk of experiencing homelessness. In some ways, she says she feels she is set up and expected to fail. At the same time, she describes the gravity and an obligation to her work that keep her going, keep her showing up each day. When asked about Women's History Month, she told in her words, quote, this is in 2021, but it's still relevant today. I like the article overall because the words are still current in 2022. And here's what she says. This year's Women's History Month gives me hope during such challenging times. I thought a lot about Women's History Month intersectional feminism, the incredible work that courageous women have done, and the work that still lies ahead. There needs to be more representation and inclusion and celebrations of Women's History Month. So that's what we're doing today on Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy's podcast. I just want to say that's what I'm trying to do, uh, have more representation and inclusion and celebrations of Women's History Month, which is why I decided to make this my first episode during this month. She goes on to say, I would like to see more actionable items from community leaders, corporations, and legislators that promote equality and equal rights. Amen, Angela. I totally agree with you. The next person we're going to talk about, she is Dr. Nika Denny, co-founder of the Black Women's Studies Association. She's quoted, Black Radical Women is the course. Nika Denny, a professor and co-founder of the Black Women's Studies Association, always wanted to teach. And in 2021 was going to be the year she introduced it at Washington and Lee University. Then came August 2020 and Dr. Denny watched as the country reacted differently to the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. She noted how the hashtag say her name seemed to be eclipsed by hashtag say his name and hashtag say their names. Quote, black women and girls are often marginalized in discourse about racism and police brutality. So to see black women pushed to the peripheries once again in this potential moment of racial reckoning was disheartening. History is always with us, Dr. Denny said, but in recent months, she has found its presence to be unusually discernible and entirely inescapable. When asked about Women's History Month, she told in her words, quote, I see this perhaps less as a moment of celebration and more as a moment of acknowledgement. We need to acknowledge the unique forms of violence that trans women Face. We need to acknowledge how incarcerated women and women immigrants detained at the border are experiencing a reproductive crisis. We need to acknowledge that raising the minimum wage to $15 will more effectively support working mothers. Celebrations are fine, but celebrating doesn't mean we've crossed the finish line. Amen, Dr. Denny. Amen. I totally agree with that for all women, but definitely women of color. Now, you have Patrice Collers, who is a co-founder of the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, um, she's quoted as saying, this is, keep in mind, this was in 2021, but this is relevant in 2022. This past year, Black women saved our country from itself, said Patrice Collers. The woman behind the hashtag Black Lives Matters hashtag and one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement. She views herself as more of an organizer than an activist. While marking how much progress has been reached, she measures how far there is to go. When taking note of which groups have been lifted up, she makes a point to acknowledge which which groups have not. When she speaks, she makes frequent use of the yes, but construction. We have more black women in positions of leadership and power than ever before, she said. But our fight must continue. Now, I have to stop right there before I finish what she says when they ask her about the Women's History Month. Okay, she was asked about Women's History Month, and this is in her words, quote, We celebrate despite the obstacles we face. Our joy and celebration is an act of resistance. This month is a reminder to continuously celebrate each other, lift each other up, and bring those frequently left behind along with us. Historically, celebrations of women are not celebrations of all women. Black women, black queer women, black trans women, black poor women, and black disabled women. Let's do what generations prior either didn't know or didn't care to do and celebrate all black women of past, present, and future. Amen, amen. And I'm not preaching to the choir. I'm just saying I agree with Patrice. Now, the last person that the New York Times um, spotlighted is Dr. Kelly Graham, who is a physician and assistant professor at Harvard Medical School. When the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a global pandemic and people hurried home to wait out the crisis, Dr. Kelly Graham and her colleagues at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston went in the other direction. Quickly, it became clear that the masks and gowns needed to protect them were all but depleted, while those who looked after children and family members found themselves without support as care centers shuttered and schools abruptly closed their doors. Quote, as we waited for our hospital schools, and daycares to come up with a solution, we did what women have always done in the workplace. We adapted to unjust structures, Dr. Graham says. She's quoted as saying, "We donned garbage, ba- we garbage bags and weak old masks and went to work. We patched together unreliable childcare arrangements." She said, "From their days became weeks, weeks became months, and now one year." And Dr. Graham continues to wrestle with why things had to be so difficult. Now, when she was asked about Women's Hi- History Month, she told, in her words, "Quote." Women make up the majority of the caring industry, an immense set of invisible professions that operate on thin margins and are one disaster away from collapse. As I acknowledge Women's History Month, it is with sober reflection on where we must go next. For too long, we have been living our grandmother's version of equality, where we quietly adapt to the structures in which we live and work. End quote. Now, that to me is the most profound thing I've read in a long time, because that's exactly what is happening in the workplace. I've been in the workplace for a long time and I'm pretty outspoken. I'm more of a doer than a talker. I talk, but then I do what I say. And I see a lot of people looking at me as being daring activists. Um, I'm just trying to do what's right and try to support what's right and try to let people who don't realize that they actually have rights. And so this quote from her is probably the most profound quote that I um, have read in a long time regarding women and equality, especially in the workplace. You know, I went to a a, Web page called Women's Day, which I absolutely was not familiar with. But it was um, an article I found dated February sixteenth, 2022, and it's very interesting. So I want to take some time out and just talk about it is entitled 21 Fascinating Women's History Month Facts. So I'm not sure about um, where they got all their research. I don't know. But I want to read the facts because I think it's very, very um, empowering. So I'm just going to read them briefly so you can see what they have listed as 21 facts. And number one is the first Women's History Day was held in 1909. February 28, 1909 marked the first Women's History Day in New York City. It commemorated the one-year anniversary of the garment workers' strikes when 15,000 women marched through Lower Manhattan from 1909 to 1910, Immigrant women who worked in garment factories held a strike to protest their working conditions. Most of them were teen girls who worked 12-hour days. And one factory, Triangle Shirt Waist Company, employees were paid only $15 a week. And that was from History.com. Excuse me, let me back up. $15 a week. History.com describes it as a true sweatshop. Young women worked in tight conditions at sewing machines, and the factory owners didn't keep the factory up to safety standards. In 1911, the factory burned down and 141 workers were killed. It pushed lawmakers to finally pass legislation meant to protect factory workers. Now, that's number one, and that's concerning to me because it shouldn't have talked 145 workers to die because it burnt down because they didn't want to make sure that factory workers were protected. That's just my comment. Number two, the day became Women's History Week in 1978. As I mentioned to you all, Educated Task Force in Sonoma County, California kicked it off. Number three, in 1987, it became Women's History Week. I also mentioned that uh, women's organizations, including the National Women's History Alliance, campaign yearly to recognize Women's History Week. In 1980, President Jimmy Carter declared the week of March 8th Women's History Week across the country. Number four, the president declares every March Women's History Month. Since 1995, every president has issued a proclamation declaring March Women's History Month, usually with a statement about its importance. Number five, every woman's history month has a theme. The 2020 theme was valiant women of the vote and honored women from the original suffrage movement, as well as women who continued the struggle in the 20th and 21st century in recognition of the centennial of the 19th Amendment, Due to the pandemic, this theme was extended into 2021 and renamed as Valiant Women of the Vote, refusing to be silent. The 2022 theme is Women Providing Healing, Promoting Hope. According to the National Women's History Alliance, This theme not only honors the tireless work of caregivers and frontline workers during the COVID-19 pandemic, but also women of all backgrounds who have provided compassion, healing, and hope for the betterment of patients, friends, and family. Fact number six, Wyoming Territory was the first place to grant women the right to vote. The Wyoming Territorial Legislature gave every woman the right to vote in 1869. According to History.com, they elected the country's first female governor, Nellie Taylor Rose, in 1924. Now, see, that's a fact I actually did not know about, and I'm I'm glad that um, I am doing this so that we can learn some more about these amazing women. So let's talk about number seven, which is extremely important. The 19th Amendment didn't give all women the right to vote. Hmm, I did not know that. According to this article, fact number seven, the 19th Amendment, which granted women the right to vote, was signed into law on August 26, 1920. But at the time, a number of other laws prohibited Native American women, Black women, Asian women, excuse me, Asian American women, and Latinx women from voting, among others. So this kind of feeds in, which I didn't know these facts until now, into to what I was saying, the importance of us really understanding all the different things women in America and around the world go through. It goes on to say about the 19th Amendment, it wasn't until 1924 that Native women born in the United States were granted citizenship, allowing them to vote, according to PBS. But even after that, Native women and other women of color were prevented from voting by state laws such as poll taxes and literacy tests. It wasn't until 1965 when President Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Voting Rights Act into law. That discriminatory tactic, such as literacy tests, were outlawed, and all women could vote. So the 19th Amendment isn't quite as grand as people think it is. You know, I just thought it was really interesting. You know, when you do research, you find out a lot. And please forgive me for ruffling the pages. I'm just fascinated about all I'm reading. Fact number eight, Claudette Colvin refused to give up her bus seat nine months before Rosa Parks did. Now, see, this fact I did know, but if you go to the history museums in different southern states, um, the Civil Rights Museum kind of tells you the story, but you don't hear that much about her. And so I was glad that number eight talked about that. So let me read about Claudette Colvin's. Rosa Parks' contribution to the Civil Rights Movement's or undeniable. But nine months before she refused to give up her seat on a bus for a white person in Montgomery, Alabama, 15-year-old Claudette Colvin did the same. Now, keep in mind, she was only 15, and she was at the point where she wanted to defend her rights on the same bus system. She was on the same bus system as Rosa Parks. But Colvin isn't widely recognized for her act. On March 2nd, 1955, the day she was arrested, she had been learning about black history at her school. Quote, my head was just too full of black history, you know, the oppression that we went through, she told NPR in twenty, excuse me, in 2009. She goes on to say, it felt like Sojourner Truth was on one side pushing me down and Harriet Tubman was on the other side of me pushing me down. I couldn't get up. Wow. She was one of the plaintiffs in Broader versus Gale. The case ended up overturning bus segregation laws in Montgomery, Alabama. Now, this is a fact that people should definitely know. And this should be included in not just history. But when we celebrate Black History Month, we need to talk about this, young lady. Because keep in mind, Colvin was only 15. Now, fact number nine. Geraldine Jerry Cobb was the first woman to pass astronaut testing in 1961, but she wasn't allowed to travel to space due to her gender. She testified on Capitol Hill in 1962 saying, we women pilots who want to be part of the research and participation in space exploration are not trying to join a battle of the sexes. Excuse me. That's according to the New York Times. She goes on to say, we see only a place in our nation's space future without discrimination. However, John Glenn, the first American to orbit Earth, opposed her. Wow. He said it is just a fact. Wow. That women don't do certain things that men do, such as go to war and fly airplanes. The fact that women are not in this field is a fact of our social order, he said. Wow. See, these are things I didn't know John Glenn felt that way. You know, we so busy honoring men that we don't listen to some of the things they said that may not honor us as women. Keep that in mind. Fact number 10. About 20 years later, Sally Ride was the first woman in space and the first gay astronaut. You know, she became the first woman in space on June 18th, 1983, where she flew on the space shuttle Challenger. It wasn't until her death that her obituary revealed she was gay. It referred to Tam O'Shaughnessy as her partner of 27 years. Wow, that's so sad. She couldn't be herself back then, and she had to die for them to acknowledge everything about her that she obviously was proud about. And I think that um, we really need to think about how we treat our women while they're still alive. Fact number 11, women couldn't get credit cards on their own until 1974. Now that I did not know. Until Congress passed the Equal Credit Opportunity Act of 1974, women couldn't get credit cards in their own name. Often they had to bring a man along to co-sign for them, according to Smithsonian Magazine. Legal work done by late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg laid the foundation for the Equal Credit Opportunity Act, as well as many other basic rights women have today, including the ability to attend state-funded schools, protection from pregnancy discrimination at work, and the ability to serve on juries, according to the USA Today. Wow, y'all, this is just so important to just know this. And I know it sounds like a lot, but I need to make sure y'all know it. Now, fact number twenty excuse me, number twelve, women make up twenty-seven percent of Congress. One hundred and forty-five women serve in the United States Congress out of five hundred and thirty-five total members. Though the number of women represent excuse me, representatives continue to rise, it's important to keep in mind that the United States population is fifty percent female according to the census data now keep in mind this information i'm reading is from 2022 so we make up 50.8 percent that means that men make up 49.2 keep that in mind they equal 100 so we are actually percentage-wise dominating in the gender between men and women Number 13, women outnumber, well, (laughs) number 13, women outnumber men as they get older. Women age 85 and older outnumber men by about two to one, according to census data from 2019. That's about 4.2 million women to 2.4 million men in the United States. Fact 14, more women are earning college degrees than men. Women are outnumbering men in earning post-secondary degrees. According to 2021 data from the Education Data Initiative, 59% of women continued their education after high school compared to 50% of men. Fact 15, the gender pay gap still persists. Despite the ever-growing number of women getting degrees, the gender, the gender pay gap has narrowed by less than half a cent per year since the Equal Pay Act was signed in 1963, according to Forbes.com. Women are paid 82 cents for every dollar that a man makes, with that gap widening even more for women of color, according to 2020 data by the National Women's Law Center. Fact 16, women make up 14% of active duty military members. Women also make up 23% of officers in the Coast Guard. In January 2013, the U.S. government lifted its ban on women serving in combat positions. Look at these women. And that's why I wanted to play Beyonce Who Run the World because women do a lot that people don't want to give them credit for. I'm almost done, everybody. Fact seventeen, Marie Curry. She was the first woman to receive two, not one, but two Nobel Prizes. Curry was a scientist who research whose research on radioactivity led her to discover two new elements. She also researched the atom and her findings have been integral in scientific advancements related to atomic bombs and medicine, according to Scientific American. She was the first woman to win a Nobel Prize, as well as the first woman person and only woman to win two Nobel Prizes. She won the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1903, and a no no Nobel you know the Nobel Prize, Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 1911. Fact number 18, Eleanor Roosevelt held all-woman press conferences. The First Lady held the first press conference for women reporters on March 6, 1933. She would cover issues of special interest and value to the women of the country, according to the National Women's History Museum. Over the next 12 years, she held 348 press conferences for women reporters. Fact number 19, as I mentioned, Women make up, well, I didn't mention this, but here we go. Women make up 57.8% of the labor force. Hmm, That's a lot. And nearly a million women returned to the workforce in 2021, almost double that of men. According to the 19th, 19th, 3.3 million of all the jobs added to the economy went to women, while 3.1 million went to men. This, however, should not overlook the jobs women, in particular women of color, lost during the pandemic when responsibilities such as childcare often fell on their shoulders. Fact number 20, Aretha Franklin was the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Known as the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987. She's known for her redition of Otis Redding's Respect and songs of her own like, You Make Me Feel Like, A Natural Woman. She was also involved in civil rights activism and, and performed at President Barack Obama's inauguration in 2009. Now, the final 21 fact of this article is Kamala Harris is the first woman and woman of color vice president. After winning the 2020 presidential election with Joe Biden, Senator Kamala Harris is making history as the first woman, first black woman, and first Asian American vice president in U.S. history. Well, y'all, ain't much more to say. This is why I wanted this first episode for Women's History Month to be about just giving information. So, as I always say, please follow us. Follow us on Twitter at Advocacy Ladies. That's capital A as in advocacy, capital L as in ladies. You can also follow us on Instagram, also at Advocacy Ladies. And I ask that you just check out all our episodes. This is episode 151. We talk about so many things. Not only are we holding politicians and companies accountable for their actions, we are in 2022 celebrating those people of all races. In all backgrounds, male and female, and if there's a transgender person we need to talk about or gay or whatever, we don't care. We don't discriminate. We're about celebration of people doing positive things. We have enough negativity in the world right now, and I want you guys to always look up to finding a way to make a positive change. You can listen to us on all the podcast apps. We're on Google Play, Apple iTunes. Pandora, Spotify, and Amazon, Alexis, iTunes, and of course, my podcast hosting company, Potbean. So definitely give us a call if you want to talk about anything that we've already talked about, or you want to give us some new things that we need to look into at 404-855-7723. And you know, you can always send us an email at Podcast host, ShadeBate19 at gmail.com. As always, I like to make sure you guys know how much I appreciate you. Those who are listening, definitely share the links. Check out the other 150 episodes that I have talked about throughout the last year and a half. And just know, I definitely appreciate your following me, your listening to me, and you spreading the word. So, you know, I like to end all my episodes with the question, What do you have to say? Thank you for listening.